Welcome to Imperfect Parenting. I'm Ariel Green Anderson. My name is Matt Anderson. We're bringing you raw, real, and unfiltered stories from around the world. Are you an IP parent? As adults, we need to be happy. We need to be happy so that our kids see us happy. What do kids prefer? Per- perfection um, in the way that their parents are managing uh, a schedule and every you know aspect of their life, but anxious and unhappy? You know, the word stress should not be part of a very young child's vocabulary. It just should not be. Welcome to episode 13 of Imperfect Parenting Podcast. Today we're talking about how to keep kids happy learners through creativity, fun, drama, and continuity between school and home. We're talking with teacher Eurydice Prentulis, who's giving her view and her thoughts about how important it is to be imperfect, human, and keep things fun. As well, we'd like to quickly say thank you to all of you who have been listening to the podcast from the start and our new listeners as well, to say thank you for your comments and questions and especially for your reviews. We appreciate your patience when we occasionally have hiccups in our round-the-world calls with connections. That is technology, and we are doing our best to work out the bugs. Our review that we'd like to say thank you for is uh, coming from Anna SP of Apple Podcasts in Spain. She writes, I really enjoy listening to an old friend talking about the perks of parenting. It's a super real and international podcast that is fun to listen to. Thank you so much, Anna. It's great to hear from you. We are grateful to all of you for uh, writing your reviews and give a call out to our U.S. listeners and in Sweden on our home turfs. We would also love to hear from you and we'll share that with our audience. So next up, we have Yurdici, a Greek who worked her way through Colombia with her doctorate that she was working on and got inspired to work at a school in the Bronx and then later started her international school circuit with uh, teaching IB and Prague and later Montessori to smaller kids where she had her creative explosion and realized her true talents with young kids, drama, creativity, and fun learning. Now she's in Bucharest working at a British school and we look forward to hearing what comes next. From Romania, we have Yuridici. So welcome, Yuridici Prentulis, child whispering, <laughs> wonderful woman of the planet, uh, to Imperfect Parenting Podcast. How are you today? I'm feeling very good. I've had a long, very busy, very full week, um, a lot of parent-teacher conferences, but it has been very rewarding. I've been getting a lot of very positive feedback. Of course, for me, the most important feedback is coming from the children themselves. Yeah. Um, and what I want to see is that not only are they learning with me, but that they're happy learning with me. <laughs> That's very important. Well, not every teacher has that point of view, so it's uh, they're really lucky for that. Can you tell me uh, where are you working these days? Um, and um, what I just started a, a new job last September 2018 <clears throat> in uh, Bucharest, Romania. Okay. Uh, it's in a small uh, private international school, and I am, for the first time ever, a year three teacher in the British curriculum. And so okay. I've been a teacher since 2001, teaching foreign languages, French, Spanish, um, and uh, also ESL, EFL, English as a second language. Um, but for the first time ever, I'm now teaching everything. I'm teaching math, science, wow. uh, IT, uh, you know, health, uh, you know, a, a variety of different topics, history, geography. Wow. <laughs> uh, I'm also teaching German and I'm also the drama teacher at the school. So it's a pretty full load. Could you tell us a little bit about which which countries you've worked in uh, from the start to get our, give our audience a little bit of a, an idea of the full spectrum of your sort of experience? 
Well, I started off in New York. I was studying um, at Columbia University doing a, uh, I was in a doctoral program for, uh, in uh, French and Romance philology. And I just found myself not particularly interested in uh, completing my PhD. I decided I wanted to be a teacher, not a professor. And I wanted to stay in New York. And I wanted to serve the kids of New York. Um, so I ended up becoming a public high school uh, teacher, teaching French and Spanish to kids in the Bronx. Amazing kids. Um, and after six wonderful years there, I really missed Europe. So I uh, started working at the International School of Prague which was, uh, living in Prague was a joy, uh, teaching the yeah. IB international baccalaureate levels of French and Spanish were uh, more challenging. It made me realize, you know, how tricky it can be when you're not a native speaker. I wasn't never spoon fed, you know, in French and Spanish as right. a baby. These were second languages. So, you know, I put all my efforts into being a, a good teacher. And I found that wherever... Um, I taught something imperfectly. For example, the odd word, the very occasional word that I didn't know, because mm -hmm. these were um, pretty high levels of uh, French and Spanish. I would make up for it by making sure that the class was unforgettable, making right. sure that it was uh, creative and fun and dynamic. And wherever I could, wherever the curriculum allowed it, because there was a lot of content and a lot of grammar uh, to teach the kids. Uh, but wherever I could, I would try to put in uh, drama. Yeah role play because yeah. if you do it as well as say it you will remember it and if you say it you can write it and if you don't write it perfectly but at least you write it so it's phonetically uh, recognizable at least you get partial credit so so I used that approach um, but after three years I found that my calling was with younger children not with teenagers mm -hmm. as much um, and while I love teenagers and I'm a people person <laughs> overall, I love all my students, I found that I really enjoyed being with younger kids. And I had been uh, tutoring privately some younger children in the Czech Republic. And uh, being with those kids, I started to pick up on Czech, even though my job was to teach them English. So I ended up leaving the International School of Prague and I worked at a Montessori school, a public school, a state school in Prague with a Montessori program. And I didn't teach as a Montessori teacher. My job was to teach English through drama and music. Mm -hmm. and the, this was, if, if, any, if I had enjoyed any creativity at my previous jobs, it was a little bit like, um, this was like a creative explosion. This was like <laughs> the Cambrian explosion of the teaching experience. <laughs> oh, I just got to chill when you're talking about it. Like you just, your energy changed. That's great. When you it, find was, that. it was wonderful. And now I went to six-year-old, six through 12, instead of 14 through 18 or 19. Wow. And, and there was one thing that I, that I observed, which I think I can tie into parenting, to imperfect parenting. But I'm going to do my best uh, with a lot of uh, loose bits uh, to put <laughs> everything <worry>. together <laughs> synthesis. And it's um, imperfect parenting. I love this um, I, I love the concept of imperfect parenting because I, I believe that if you recognize in advance as a teacher and as a parent that you're never going to be perfect, you're never going to be perfect. Uh, if you're going to aim for perfect, perfection, you're never going to get it. <laughs> so don't aim for, for perfection. Do not That's aim a lot for of stress perfection. trying to get there. <laughs> aim for excellence. It's yeah. a far more reachable goal. It's a far more reachable goal. And when you aim for ex uh, excellence rather than perfection, you will probably be far more excellent than you ever would be if you're aiming for perfection. And I believe that to be true for parents and for teachers. I've never been a parent. I'm not a parent. I don't have children. But I've taught so many children. And I have found that in any environment where a lot is expected of me, but there is a small margin of error, and I'm not anxious, and I don't feel like, um, you know, my reputation or my position as a teacher is in any way compromised by some small mistake mm. and all my efforts, not just my efforts, but the results that they produce in the children's work, in my students' work and in their both uh, moving forward with their skills and uh, with their response to their learning and by extension, making them inquiring 
individuals who are intellectually curious, not just in my subject, but because they're inspired by learning in general, uh, you know, they go out and they ask a lot more questions and they're just more excited to be alive. Then mm-hmm. I feel that I have much more of a chance of being able to reach that very lofty goal if I don't have pressure being put on me to be perfect. And I believe my students perform better also if they don't have that pressure being put on them to be perfect. And I also believe that parents will be better parents if they don't put pressure on themselves to be perfect. And I also believe that parents can have, can enjoy a better relationship with their spouse, with their partner, if they don't put that pressure on themselves to be perfect. And what could be better for a child in uh, their microcosm with their imperfect parents than parents who love each other and, and are together? Or, you know, if they're split up, they have a good and working, they have a good working relationship because they're not constantly putting pressure on themselves to be perfect. And then perhaps being oversensitive when uh, one person criticizes the other because right. they've already been uh, criticizing themselves all day because they're trying to be perfect. So th- th- that's, those are my, my, my 10 cents <laughs> <laughs> about uh, not uh, striving for perfection and why. Yeah, for both teachers and parents. Super, thank you. I, I I really liked your perspective on going for excellence versus perfection. I don't know where we all got caught up, even when we don't mean to, on on uh, getting tripping over perfection and imperfection and how it's become such a focus rather than excellence is it's perfect the way you put that. So, thank you. <laughs> Very insightful. I look at the human element, and I think that's what helps. Parents bond with their children, teachers bond with their students, students bonding with their teachers and uh, children bonding with their parents is, is let's look at um, what binds us all together as humans. People are, you know, uh, kids are people. They are people. Yeah. Uh, we are their leaders. Uh, they are not our equals. They'll be our equals when they're 18 and they've, you know, done what they need to do. But we have a responsibility to them as well to be good role models. And that, again, goes back to perfectionism. Mm. There's going to be times we're not the best role models. <laughs> We should not be beating ourselves up for it because when we're doing that, we're not focusing on what we can do better the next time. We're just focusing on how bad we were or how stupid we were or how insufficient we were uh, or how, um, you know, our neighbor or our friend is a better parent. And and, and she stays uh, calmer with her child. Why is that? Or or let's say in the case of a teacher, that teacher can manage the class more uh, calmly than I can. Uh, I mean, I'm not speaking personally. I'm speaking in terms of... uh, how we compare. And uh, as you said, we're the leaders. If we, as the adults, uh, you know, we teach each other, but like you said, we are leaders, then they're, they're seeing this. When we're putting all this pressure and having these reactions and all this, what you just said, they're, they're seeing that, not just what we're trying to tell them, but what we're showing them. So yes. we have to lead, as you said, by example. Leading by example, yes. So but of course, leading by example is 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 the is a very important is is a very very it's essential. But we're not always uh, going to be leading with the best example. What we str- <laughs> what we should strive for is that um, as much uh, of us as much uh, as possible, we are leading by example. If we occasionally make a small mistake and we beat ourselves up for it we're probably going to continue making more of those mistakes. And if we don't make more of those mistakes, maybe what we will do instead is just not be as happy. And that's another thing that kids need. They need their parents to be happy. Yeah. They need parents who are spending time with them, showing uh, through their actions, through their words, and through their energy mm. that they enjoy their children. They yes. enjoy their company. They enjoy being with them. You know, and I think uh, successful teaching, uh, uh, of course, is, is uh, made up of many things. One of them is enjoying your students. And uh, that leads me to... And, and kids do feel the difference. They do feel you, the difference. I mean, I remember that. And I remember being a teacher and seeing teachers who really enjoyed their job, people like you, and seeing the difference in the response of the children and the, the teens and whoever was, was standing in front of them versus somebody who you felt was there because they were on tenure and they were kind of waiting for their retirement or were just mm-hmm. there for the money or the adventure or whatever it was, you, you really could see the difference in the relationship and how that affected their learning, their daily life and their own you know experience of life as you're expressing here. So 
the example is not just about being, as you said, it's not about being perfect or imperfect. It's also about how you handle those moments when you yes. trip on something yeah. and showing them that, yeah, you can screw up and it doesn't matter. You just keep going forward and, you know, okay, new day. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course, you know, it goes without saying you can't, uh, you know, screw up a lot and <laughs> you can't uh, make major screw ups a lot. Um, so I'm not saying that, um, you know, to be so relaxed that you can just allow yourself make, to make a ton of mistakes. You know, we, we shouldn't be sloppy here. We should always be striving for excellence. Uh, but again, that is not the same thing as striving for perfection, which we're never going right. to get. <laughs> no. So, um, and it leads me to think of something else as well. And that's the create the dichotomy between creativity and organization. Hmm. Um, because I think a good teacher and a good parent, uh, they are, uh, they are organized and they should also keep in mind they should also consider creativity, not just in themselves, but in their kids. Um, organization, organization, a teacher has to be organized. A teacher has to show up at work with her lessons planned. The teacher should know what the end goal is and work backwards and have, um, big uh, plans and then smaller plans inside of those plans and then sub plans inside of those <laughs> smaller plans and so forth. Um, you know, working backwards and, you know, hopefully as a parent, I would uh, also be thinking, what is it that I want for my child? I might not have a specific for my child, um, you know, as far as, you know, my child's going to be a doctor, but I would think I want my child to be practicing towards being the best version of themselves that they can be. And, you know, those things are also require getting to know your child, speaking with your child, engaging with your child. Um, and organization is important um, for how you perhaps plan your day to, to some extent with your child. Uh, certainly for me as a teacher, how I plan my day with a student, with, a, with my students, uh, you know, organization is important because uh, children need structure. Yes. Students need structure. They need this for security. They need this to know what's going to come next. They need routines and rituals. And it's important for academic success. If you were to uh, have very receptive parents <laughs> sitting in front of you and, and the question was put out to you, like, please tell our parents what in what ways could they respond or be or take action or inaction as parents as far as relationship to the teachers like what would best support you and the students in learning in school I don't know it just sort of popped into my mind because I've had also experiences where sometimes um, things weren't balanced and not always uh, you know what I'm talking about there's times mm -hmm. when the parents uh weren't fully aware of the best thing for their kids. And, you know, of course, everybody's doing the best that they can. But, like, what would be the best situation as a teacher as far as the uh, – you know what I'm trying to say. My brain isn't working very well. I, well, uh, a sense of continuity so that the child – a child at school – for me in my classroom, there is there are routines, there are rituals, uh, and then, you know, there are elements of surprise. <laughs> but the children are used to the fact that perhaps even daily they're going to be surprised by something, you know, and I'm going to entertain them in some way. But it's a contained entertainment because there is a time and a place. And then when I tell them that now we have to stop and now we have to get serious, they have to do that. Yeah. And they take five minutes to, to do it, you know. So I might, of course, trans transition things gently. Uh, but the students know that there is going to be. Uh, an element of surprise in their experience of learning in, in my class, in their year three class with me. Okay. So it's predictable unpredictability. And I would say that at home, if parents can be relaxed to the best of their ability, enjoy their child, do something for themselves, find a way that they plan their lives well enough that they can have a little bit of time for themselves so that they're not stressed by their children. <laughs> and so that they cut out some... Uh, low-tech or no-tech time with their kids where there are no screens yes. or if they are spending uh, time with their kids doing something with IT that at least they're doing something where they're both engaging in it uh, together so they could continue uh, the learning of any given subject with the child by finding interactive uh, lessons interactive games 
and then they can do those things together using a computer or the iPad. But um, uh, that they also read to their children mm -hmm. because children are reading in school. So this would be a continuity at home. Okay. And these are things that would serve the parent well and serve the child, of course. Read to them at bed. Children are in their alpha state, like all people, before uh, going to sleep. And that's when they're very receptive because they're very relaxed. And it's a great time to read kids' books, to tell them stories. Um, you know, I, I, can name all, um, uh, I can name all the 50 states of the United States of America through song because my mother would sing them to me, <laughs> you know, at bedtime from Alabama all the way through to Wyoming. Cool. Uh, and my mom would read to me uh, mythology and she would also uh, read to me, uh, you know, biographies in children's forms and things like that. And it just gave me such a thirst for learning um, because she made learning fun. And if she didn't have much time in the day, even after school, it was all right because she gave me this time at my bedtime. So there's always time to do these fun things with kids. And when I think that how much time we waste on Facebook and social media... Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a good, you know, a couple of hours can just go by and we don't know where those two hours went, how exactly they were used. Imagine what we can get done with our kids uh, in, in, that, in the space of that one hour in a very concrete way and useful way where it's not even, uh, it doesn't even cost us that much. And it's actually very relaxing. There yeah. are ways for us as adults to relax, as parents to relax uh, and at the same time use the time with our kids. And especially the kids in year three, which are about uh, eight years old-ish, there's still such mm. a joyous... So they're six and seven. It's the British Six system. and seven. Oh, okay. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. So there's still, a, there's still a sweetness and that connection time. I think for any kid, regardless of their... Even if they're teenagers and they might seem that they don't care, uh, most of the time, everybody needs connection. And non-screen mm -hmm. non, uh, time connection is uh, being much more present. I absolutely agree with you. That's something that these days I've been to, I can't tell you how many times I've been to cafes or out in the world and you see everybody on a screen, even three-year-olds. <laughs> and it just, it breaks my heart a little bit. I mean, these moments can happen, but uh, I really like that you're talking about, you know, that that's a very important piece, I think, uh, is mm -hmm. making the time. And if you're going to spend time on the screen, at least uh, do something together. Right. Do something together. Don't just give. Don't just give your kid uh, the iPad and tell them, you know, go off and leave me alone. You know. And uh, when your kid's trying to get your attention, I'm not saying. And, and by the way, this goes back again to imperfect parenting. A really, really good parent is is more likely to be a, a good parent when they decide I need a little time for myself. And yes, I do want to look at my cell phone for a moment. You know, for, for, for some, you know, I do need to work on my computer. If that parent has is, uh, cut out some time to do something constructive and, or creative with their child and spend time with them, then you've earned the right to do something for yourself. I, I've met so many, and, and I've also worked as a before I became a teacher. And when I was a student um, at UCLA. You were a nanny. You said and, uh, I cut out for a second there. I yeah. a lot of nannying. And, um, you know, some of these new parents, you know, wonderful people, very anxious, though, and, uh, you know, really worried about not uh, being imperfect, worried about being imperfect. <clears throat> I'm not a parent. It's easy for me to say what I would do if I were one, but I'll go ahead and say it anyway. I believe that if I'm relaxed and I'm happy and I work at doing constructive things with my kids, yes, then... I will feel better about cutting out a little time for myself. I mean, I think if, if you have the room in the house to have one part of the house be, this is mommy's area, mm -hmm. and if a child goes there, it's a, it's a privilege. Why? Why not? Why not? Well, you're teaching them a very important skill for life as well, uh, because I've watched mommies and even daddies but more uh, kind of disappear into parenthood. You know, and then they're stressed that they don't have time for themselves, but they don't feel they can. And, you know, they feel they're, I don't know, disconnecting with their child or whatever the reason is. Um, and I've had those moments as well, you know, when Ella's in a very high demand state and uh, and I get cuckoo. But the the fact is, I when I think about the fact that I realize that if I don't do this, then I'm also showing her, I'm passing that on to her. It, mm -hmm. You know, because then she's going to be grown up someday. Maybe she'll have a family and she'll be with her partner and she'll, 
exactly. carry on that same not so great tradition. So we're teaching them it's okay to take time for yourself. And I've actually watched Ella say, mommy, now I'm going to take some quiet time because I will say to her, look, mama's going cuckoo. Mama needs just like, give me even five minutes. Just I want to take a shower alone, quiet, and then I'm going to give you my full attention. And when she's Mm -hmm. had that experience, like you said, when she gets that alone time and or she gets that focused present time with me, she's perfectly fine. Even if it's, if we read for two minutes, three minutes, and then I go do what it is I need to do, she is, can be an angel. Uh, what I find is that people get really pissed off about the way their kids are reacting. And I'll say, well, can I ask you what you were doing before that? Oh, I was on the phone. I was on the computer. I was this, I was that. I'm like, okay. So what I notice with Ella, at least, is that literally if I just give her even a corner of time to be really present with her, she's willing to let go. And she's super naughty when mm-hmm. she doesn't get that time because she's trying to get my attention and can't always verbalize it, you know? So... Mm. I find a lot of acting out is about that and probably maybe it's I don't know how it is for teachers when the kids are acting out. There's a lot of other reasons, including diet and whatever, but that's another topic. But uh, yeah, no. So what you're bringing up is super important. And I was curious, this is not exactly this is switching topics, but I was wondering in your school if you deal with a lot of the same things that I saw uh, in the French school here in Prague and as well in the American schools in the States, just in regular public schools, this thing where the parents seem to do the projects for the kids, where you you can see that it's pretty clear that the projects were not done by the kids at all, and that it seems to be there's so much pressure that that parents feel like when they don't do it, then their kid stands out because all the other parents are doing it. What What is the atmosphere in your school as far as that? I'm just curious. Uh, that's Bucharest not it, something I experienced. I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, and I, the reason why I know what you're talking what you are talking about, is because I myself have been guilty of making these <laughs> projects for some of my private students when I was, um, uh, you know, in my early years in Prague. Yeah. Actually, I it's sat. Tricky. I would sit down with the kids. I would do my best to get them to do it, but. Um, you know when the, uh, when they weren't always you know doing the the right amount of work that they should be doing on their own i would sometimes take over and do the job myself until i realized how uh that was not serving the child yeah uh in present school i don't experience that because the kids generally there's a good amount of there's quite a rich after school program okay. and i'm part of that you know, my teaching days over at three, but I am there until four thirty or or five with the kids, and then after that, I might stay behind and do some admin, uh, or I might come home. Uh, but uh, there is enough time for me to be able to do creative things with the kids, where I give them materials, I, get, I tell them what to do, and they do it themselves. So okay, yeah. So just... far, I have not experienced them bringing in things to school that look <laughs> suspiciously uh, made by uh, more experienced hands. Well, it, I, it's more I, about the atmosphere because the, the tricky thing is, is it's if, if 10 parents are doing it and the 11th parent doesn't do it, then it's, it's awkward because then your, your kids, <laughs> obviously their thing really stands out and it creates this, this strange uh, sort of current that you can't step out of. And I, I just was curious about it because I, I had the experience of getting reprimanded when the first time that I stood in for another teacher because... I let the kids, when they do, did their art project, they, they were supposed to make a penguin. It was actually my first day working at this particular school. And uh, I, one of the kids wanted to make a purple penguin and maybe it was a green penguin in purple sea or something like this, something that was not right by the <laughs> real world standards. But I, I thought that was fantastic. They were showing their creativity. You know, some of them, you know, everybody has different skills in different areas. And as you said, if you don't let them do it, then you don't see their progression. But, oh, I got nailed by that teacher. And uh, the assistants said, oh, she's going to be super upset. I said, why? They, she always makes us correct all the kids' drawings so that they look right, like a proper circle and a proper square. I'm like, well, that just doesn't make any sense. And at the end of the year, when they go home, you know, they're going to have an oval and it's supposed to be a square. You know, anyway, so it's it's a tricky thing. You know, you, you want to show that your the kids are doing well, but at the same time, it's... What are you teaching them? And it's hard. You know, you have to learn the hard way. And maybe you, 
each of us has an experience which makes pushes us in one direction or another and it's it's tricky no judgment just well you can teach them how to make an oval uh, i mean sorry you can teach them how to make a a, a circle yeah um you can, you can uh, say let's try that can, can we make this circle a little this oh, this um, shape a little bit fatter in this yeah, way or exactly. in that way um let's erase this part this part's really good how about we make it a little bit fatter? it looks more like a circle and less like an oval and you can get the kid to do it if there's a, if the so time allows for it i yeah. would just simply say do not erase it and do it yourself right in front of the child <laughs> exactly it's that just be, not the message you want to mistake. send so I, th I think you did the right thing. And again, um, yeah, we should not be looking for perfection. And it, because we're not going to get it, the kids are not going to get perfection either. So what happens? Somebody else does it for them? That's not the way the world works. Right. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> so teach them how the world works and that um, certain things are the certain successes. Success is partly derived from uh, your effort. Yeah. You know, that's one way, one one of the things that leads to success is your effort. It's not the only thing, uh, but it's um, often the case that it's certainly one of those things. And so, mm. and that's another thing as well. I would say um, reward children for their efforts. Uh, don't be telling kids all the time how smart they are. You know, when, when Ella brings home uh, her spelling test, don't tell her you probably, I, I, I can imagine you already having a sense of this. Um, uh, and maybe perhaps the, there might have been a time that you taught me this uh, years <laughs> back yourself because you're very intuitive about these things. Um, not to say, well, uh, see, of course you got the 10 out of 10 because you're smart. What I tell kids all the time in school is uh, you got a 10 out of 10 because you worked really hard. You studied. Mm. You prepared for it. I'm so proud of you. Very specific feedback <laughs> rather than. They mm. will never feel that in an area where they have to sweat it out, oh, it's not, I must be really dumb. They will right. feel, okay, I'm sweating it out. If I work hard, I might break, I might break through. Hmm. You know, it's the whole, uh, you know, effort-based appraised over the, um, it's the growth mindset. Yeah. I try to be specific was, with Ella, even at four. I mean, even at two years old, I don't know why I said four. Even at two, I try to be specific about my feedback rather than just saying, that was great, you know, but... You know, I like the way you were really kind with that kid and you made him laugh or, you know, being really specific rather than. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, oh, here's another thing that I picked up at the Montessori school from the teachers there. And it was it was a wonderful way, by the way, to learn uh, Czech. What a <laughs> lovely context um, in which I, I learned. I was finally able to learn a very difficult language. And it was hearing teachers say to a kid, to a child, um, when the child said, uh, is this okay? Showing them their drawing and the teacher, as uh, in other words, am I am I finished? Is this is this satisfactory? The teacher wouldn't say uh, yes. It looks very good. Well done. Okay, and 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 then take it. The, the the teacher would say, well, I don't know. Are you satisfied with it? Oh, I like that. <laughs> Are you satisfied with it? And the child would then mm. stop and think about it, look at it, frown a little bit, look, you know, <laughs> concentrate, or add something else. Or uh, fix something or, you know, improve on his shading or her, mm. um, you know, her outline. Uh, or they would say, uh, yeah, and then turn it in. So I would do that. Uh, I try to do that as much as I can with my students. And I think that's a useful thing for parents to do with their kids. And, oh, and another thing that um, uh, I think is, is, is useful is uh, if a child ever asks a teacher or their parent, um, do you think I'm, you know, do you think I'm, let's see, I don't know, like, do you think I'm not good at writing? Do you think my handwriting is messy? Okay. Of course we can look and then, this is, this is an example which is perhaps a bit more uh, objective rather than subjective. Um, we can all see a messy handwriting from uh, not uh, from uh, from a neat handwriting, but I would still say in any kind of a question like this that where someone is looking for a qualifier, a qualifying answer, I think as a parent or a caregiver or a teacher, you can always ask, well, I don't know, what do you think? Yeah. Have them have them think about it. Or or do you, you know, do you think I'm bad at uh, English or am I bad at math? Well, what do you think? And then you can sit down and look at some data together, their tests, their work done. So it's starting um, a conversation always, always rather than just kid, making an assessment. 
Yeah, have them think. Make them think. And then <laughs> and then give in your give your two cents afterwards. I like it. Or ask the ask, ask the kid what do, well what do you think I'm going to say and and then ask them why they think you think why they think. <laughs> well, have them have them thinking. Kids are kids are so bright. They're so smart. Absolutely. You just leave There's them so in much the to right offer direction. if we let them. So much to offer, and uh, and uh, and we have so much to offer them. And I think I think uh, teachers are wonderful people. I think parents are wonderful people. And if we're doing all of these things, and they say love isn't enough, I, I I agree. But it's a pretty good you know chunk of what it takes to be a good parent. Uh, put in there a certain amount of routine and ritual and organization, and then put in. Room for not uh, being perfect and, and forgiving yourself for mistakes, forgiving your kid for mistakes, and um, a lot of laughter, some discipline, um, and uh, some create, creative time with your kid. Even if all you can draw are stick figures, who cares? You think your kid's <laughs> going to uh, really dislike the time you sit down and draw stick figures with them? Laugh at yourself. Make some funny drawing. Laugh at how bad it is if you feel it's bad. Um, you know, have your kid uh, draw balloons and have your kid write the speech inside. Make stories together, you know, and then and then uh, make books. <laughs> have your kid decide, uh, you know, to make chapters, you know, because all of this leads to creative writing and being able to write in paragraphs. Uh, balloon speech when you're doing cartoons with your kid with balloon speech, uh, you can lead uh, uh, that can lead to encouraging your child to write using direct speech uh, quotes in their creative class. So again, having fun creative time with your kids at home in this way takes up useful uh, time. It, it uses up a very useful way, and it also creates a sense of continuity from school to home, where uh, work, learning, and play all come together and they're valued and the child sees that the parent sees education as important through example and then they value their education, their classroom, their environment, their teacher, their learning process, their classmates and what the teacher has to say all the more. Fantastic. And if we're doing all these yeah. things as teachers and parents, um, we don't have to be perfect because we're already pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it really does need to be a, 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 a good partnership. I mean, you teachers have our kids for more of the day than we do during the week. You know, during the seven days a week, you guys are, you're there. And that partnership is super important. And I would even add to what you said to say those, the, the inquisitiveness that you are encouraging us to have with our kids. I would encourage the same for parents. When, when things come up, when hiccups, imperfections, or whatever moments to come up, to to remember that it's it's a this is your partner these teachers are your partner and how could you in a fair and kind way kind of have a conversation and and uh, see together how you guys uh, can can work with the kids because as far as i'm concerned i think that the teachers that we have around our children are you know and it's the ohana or it's the the part of the village and recognizing that we uh sometimes have to see each other on equal ground to some degree and find the way together and how important that is for the kids as much as it is for two parents to be aligned so that the kids feel relaxed and in balance and open and sort of receptive and creative. I think that's really important for parents to have that similar relationship with their teachers and make that effort because you guys yes, are super important. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I do understand. Uh, I try my best. I, they say seek to understand then seek to be understood. Um, they say that that is, um, um, who was that? It was, uh, Jim Covey. I can't remember one of the seven up. steps to success. <laughs> um, it's quite, I think it's a well-known book that's uh, used by business uh, leaders, many, many leaders. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm totally misquoting the, uh, <laughs> I, I, I've misstated the title of the book, That's okay. but I know that one, we'll look it up. There was understand. Yeah. Seek to understand and then seek to be understood. And so um, there are times when I've uh, been overworked and um, it's easy to see parents as representing the other side and sometimes the enemy because <laughs> of uh, a criticism of something that you've done, which actually you feel you've been doing your best on. Right. And um, 
then when I when I realized that the parents are not in the classroom all day, so they really don't know what's going on. No. They, they, they don't know in detail what's going on. So the remedy uh, for me has always been to allocate a certain amount of time and make it um, really just factor it in as, as something that's not negotiable that I have to do. And that is really a good and solid parental communication. And luckily, I'm a fast hyper, just like I'm a fast <laughs> talker. And so I reach out to the parents uh, weekly. So when they're getting information, yeah. they feel more relaxed. Absolutely. I, as a yes. thing, if I'm getting more information, you know, the more details I have, the more of a sense of security I have knowing that um, the, what I'm paying for is being uh, handled. I'm talking here in the case of private schools, but, you know, even with public schools, uh, taxpayers are still paying hard-earned sure. uh, taxes after hard money. It's about control and you're, you're making them a part of what's going on. So, I mean, I think a lot of parents, the challenge is that, you know, those seven, six, seven, eight hours a day that they don't have their kids, somebody else is sort of in control of their destiny or what they're influencing or yes. whatever. I mean, it's a, it's a massive role that you guys have that people don't always really fully assess it. Wait a minute. That's a lot of time and energy and spirit around my child, but it's, uh, it's, have to remember that <laughs> when you're yes, and what and I think what uh, what I uh, what's helped me what uh, what helps me conversely is remembering that parents um, don't know what's going on right and don't know what's going on for a, a large amount of the day and it is about control and and who would not feel helpless and frustrated when uh, things are not going quite uh, right with their child in school or they know what their child is capable of, but they're not uh, cutting it, you know, right. as far as, uh, or, or the, you know, things are going downhill or a child is slipping through the cracks academically. And you're working very hard to avoid that, but you don't know what's going on. If a teacher is communicating with parents with, to a certain degree and there's some detail mm -hmm. there, there is, um, uh, you know, some information there or um, the teacher is uh, very helpful and, uh, you know, has parents, is meeting with parents. And not just, you know, twice a year. I find it to be helpful to meet with parents yeah, um, in between as well. well. That's, that's an investment in, in time. For so. sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I think uh, really that the parents are there as far as, far as, it, uh, as being a teacher, I think. As a teacher, I feel parents are, their parents are my friends. They're, they are my allies is what I mean. They are there <laughs> where we can put our heads together and uh, make sure that the child that we both care about is doing their best and is feeling their best at doing their best. And okay. so that, that's, that's the role of parents for me. They help me to do my job better. So I like to communicate with them. Great. Are there so any... They, Sorry. Yeah. They psychologically feel better and then, then they're armed with the, the right information. Yeah. You know, to, to, to be able to help me to help their child. Right. It has to be, it has to be a sort of circular sharing of information. You know, if there's something going on at home, you got to drop your pride, let your teacher know that there's something happening so that the teacher can be prepared for acting out or tired behavior because they haven't slept. I mean, if there's fighting at home, I mean, I think these kinds of things are as important, not necessarily specifics, but just to say, you know, something's going on. And the same thing, if you experience something during, during the day in the classroom, I think that there has to be a sharing of information for the best of the child, if, you know, if at all possible, you know, so any last messages that you would like to share with parents or even teachers with parents, last words to them, last uh, I wisdom. I like the use of the word circular. <laughs> I think it's a great word. I think everything is connected and it is a circle and it's, it's not aligned with a beginning and an end. Um, you know, it's a it's, um, it's, if we put together organization, but not going over the top so that we're super anxious and also too much organization uh, at the cost of creativity, mm. then we're out of we're out of balance. It's, it's not good for us. We need to be, as adults, we need to be happy. We need to be happy so that our kids see us happy. What do kids prefer? Per perfection um, in the way that their parents are managing uh, a schedule and every you know, aspect of their life, but anxious and unhappy, you know, and not having the closest relationship perhaps with their uh, mother or father. I'm talking about the parent, the parents not having the closest relationship together. 
or parents who are uh, who the kids see laughing and being together and if they're divorced or separated at least uh, getting along together mm, um that's but a big they're one. not always perfect and there's little hiccups and mistakes i think they would choose the 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 second one you know where things are um not done perfectly all the time but um the parents are more relaxed and happy and then so so organization not going over the top leaving room for creativity mm-hmm. It's uh, creativity is something that, you know, feels good in all of us when we're when we're doing it, when we're uh, being it, when we're uh, making things and when we're making things with our children. One feels good when one is creative and you can be sure your kid loves doing creative things. And, you know, being creative makes you happy. But being, you know, you, you need it's a balance of structuring your time and also using uh, and also being creative and also having some downtime where you don't have an agenda. So keeping the balance. I think for yourself. Things, absolutely. And let your. Sure. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Don't, don't overload the, no, no parents should overload their kids with too many after school activities. I, uh, I just think that's wrong. I, I think the saddest Not thing I've ever experienced is hearing small kids say the words, I'm stressed. And I know that they mean it. <laughs> they're not just repeating it, but they're really, so you know, they have so, they, they've got two, three activities every single day, maybe one day out of the week, not with sports and this and that. And I think it's great to encourage your kids, but I, I think we have to be the, the grownups and, and say, nope, <laughs> you're going to have a, you're going to have some free days here, you know? So. Yeah. That's the kids. Stri- that's the parents striving for perfection. And they're not going to get it. And, and that is very sad. Uh, you know, the word stress should not be part of a very young child's vocabulary. No. It just should not be. No, I agree. They should not, they should not know. They might know what that word means, but they should not be hearing it too often from their families because their families should not be stressing themselves out too much. And if they are, then I would say that <laughs> a good yes. antidote to their stress is to yeah. do something creative with their kid as soon as they have the time to do it. And so if they want to have a good diet for their child and they tend to squeeze in the time to cook, let the kid be in the kitchen with you. Absolutely. You know, well, you I was cut just the, about exactly to say that. You're so funny. You aligned with me. <laughs> That's what Ellen and I do a lot. You know, Play-Doh, they love making stuff. They love, they love slime. They and they love, love helping. Modeling. They love, you know, <laughs> I know this is kind of a far-reaching thing, but if you, if if, if a parent, if I had a pasta machine, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I get them the ingredients, get the kid to mix them all up, make knead the pasta, and then I'd crank out, crank out the pasta. You know, now I'm not saying this is the solution to, you know, to make imperfect parenting perfect parenting, or to make, you know, not so good parenting better parenting, which is always what we should strive for. Yeah. Um, but it's just an example. Kids, you know, have kids, get, let, let your kids get dirty. Let, let yourself get a little Absolutely. bit dirty. Yeah. Then, you know, together you can, you know, clean up a bit and have fun with that. Make a joke out of things. And, you know, when you're, when you're doing all of that, it makes you happy. And you are more attractive to your partner. Your partner, when he <laughs> or she is like that, with their kids, is more attractive to uh, you. Yes. Parents are happier. Everybody happier. And makes good memories. And, uh, and that's important, too. Yeah. Instead of sticking your kid in endless clubs, yeah. you know, a couple of clubs and then take the time to do the work on the academics with your child at home and then take the time to have some fun with your child, uh, you know, which is just plain, silly, healthy fun. <laughs> that's that's what I would say, you know, and that's Thank the part you. of being relaxed and creative. Thank you. And, and, and being relaxed and happy also allows you to have uh, creative solutions come to your mind in your for your work which yes. is better for you too. Yeah, I think it's definitely when you do these things, it becomes a, a give and take. And it, it inspires the kids and it inspires us and different ideas for our own adult lives as well as having en- engaging fun with our kids and creating great memories. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you giving us your time. And we look forward really to hearing pleasure. about some of your projects. Uh, we'll, we'll keep our, our guests updated. Thank and you. I would say, vive les parents imparfaits. Uh, long live imperfect parents who are doing their best and always learning how they can be better. And enjoy the, enjoy the journey. I'm enjoying it as a teacher. Today's takeaway from episode 13. One, aim for excellence, not perfection. Two, we must teach kids it's okay to be human and imperfect. 
three, keep balance between organization, fun, and creativity. Four, parents and teachers need to keep continuity for kids. Five, remember the alpha state at bedtime and reading. Six, teachers and parents take the time to inform each other about kids and what's going on. Seven, teachers and parents must inspire learning in and out of the classroom. Eight, parents and teachers are allies in kids' growth, learning, and evolutions. Nine, kids act out when they need our focused attention. So, be present. Ten, get dirty with our kids. Make more memories than perfect days. Eleven, whatever you are doing, get kids involved. That's it for this week. So whether we're cooking up something, we're organizing, we're trying to get things done, and we're going a bit mad from it, get our kids involved. Help them learn something new. Feel a part of it. Cooperating together. Managing. There's so much they can do. Thank you, Yuridici, Prentulis, our audience, and today. Bye. Thank you for listening to Imperfect Parenting and our Imperfect Podcast. For show notes, links to things we discussed, our blog, and more, please go to our website at www.imperfectparenting.net. If you have questions, comments, or stories you'd like to share, please go to our social media on our page or write us at info at imperfectparenting.net. We would love a review on iTunes from you and might have a couple surprises at the other side. So IP parents around the world, keep having a wonderfully imperfect day.